Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode. This week is the second one about parades with the one and only Todd Marcacci. And we have so many hosts this week. We will also find out what made Whitney say... And of course, we still did the parade because it's Boston and those people are crazy. They did not care. And why Steven said... The clock tower got struck by lightning. And it was like the most loud, like explosive, like explosion that I've heard in my life. Just like, boom! All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week is all about parades and the stories and advice we have coming up from our special guest clinician, Todd Marcacci, warranted two weeks of episodes. And so we are back with part two. This one, Todd and Beth do a deeper dive into what it takes for your band to look good at a parade and maybe some inside information of how best to apply, especially for those big parades. But before we get to Todd, let's check in and see who's staff on the sidelines this week. Who's ready to take the Long Ranger first? Steven. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jackie. Beautiful and sunny, 70 degrees here in southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> clear day. The weather is nice. And I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for the weather update since we don't have Tom. <laughs> hey, Nicole. Thank you. It's almost like you felt me like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm going to tell you how it is in Ohio. (laughs) It's fine. I mean, I'm doing well. Um, I'm on my, well, I think a lot of you know, I'm like on my last couple of days of uh, work this week for until I go to the new job. So um, I don't know. I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, Excited about uh, getting into talking about a little bit more uh, parades. Yes. Oh, parades are my favorite. I know I say this all the time, but they're literally my favorite. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Jackie. Everything's going great here in North Carolina. Um, Most colleges and universities are out for the semester celebration. I'm so happy about that. So we're just winding into the summer months, getting ready for summer music camps. Um, Get ready for drum corps. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and I can't wait to talk about parades as well. So it's great to see everyone. And hasn't been on with us live in a long time, but Whitney's here. Yay! Pew, 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 pew. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a, a while, but school is officially over today. And I actually didn't have anything tonight for the first time in a very long time. So. I'm here. Well, we are very excited. You are here. In fact, let's get to our gush and goes. Trevor, do you want to start us off? You seemed like you had some stories you were ready to jump into. Oh, man, I'm I'm gushing and I'm going. And I'm gushing about how excited I am about concluding uh, our semester on a strong note. Just like um, a lot of band programs probably and winter guard programs uh, did over the last month or so. Um, but incredibly excited about 
you know, jumping back on the train and designing new shows and hiring new staff and training new members and bringing new people in. It's going to uh, it's going to be an exciting summer. I'm going to be able to to catch a couple of drum corps shows and be on the road and teach a little bit. So I'm incredibly happy about that. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm great to be here for um, episode 29 of On the Water Break. So nice to be here. <laughs> Whitney, what do you want to gush about this week? Well, uh, Crown just announced their show two hours ago, so I was Ooh. going to read that Ooh. for everybody. It is called, oh my god, Drogon, killing me. It's called the, <laughs> I love dogs, it's okay. <laughs> it's called The Round Table, Echoes of Camelot, a legend told for centuries, the boy who would be king, compelled to embrace his destiny, King Arthur assembled a court of brave, fierce, and honorable followers who pledged their lives and loyalty to him. Their shared vision to create a kingdom where justice, harmony, and the noble principles of chivalry prevail. And Camelot, the court and stronghold of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, was the epicenter of their dreams and mythic quests. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a great crown show. Yeah. This is right back in the bag that I like crown to exist in. Let's go, Crown. Storytelling. Uh -huh. Some of the that best storytelling story on the field. Theatrical type of thing. Yeah. They're, you know, they're going to do a great moment pulling the sword from the stone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Has there ever been a drum corps show that covered like this story in any way that anybody knows of? Probably in like the 80s. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, yes, probably. I mean, that's the only time I've ever heard of a storyline like this for a drum corps show. So it does feel kind of old school. Yeah, I agree it with does. Whitney. Yeah. Which I am all about the old school. Yep. Please bring that back. Yes. Like the I, I it right, the repertoire or anything. Like, I mean, I I watch a lot of like uh baking shows or cooking shows and they're you know, people like this is the reinvention or reimagined grilled cheese. <laughs> Do that for me for a drum <laughs> show, please. I would love that. <laughs> Reimagine some for me on the field. Go. <laughs> Presenting their 2023 program, Reimagined Grilled Cheese, the on a water break drum corps. <laughs> the, the literal on a water break drum corps. We have to bring the couchman back for this one, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Couch people. Well, um, I guess it would be my turn to gush and go now. Go for it. Um, my biggest gushing goes, honestly, I've gotten now into, I love seeing all of the posts on social media with kids like leaving for drum corps and all this. Like, yes. I, I love seeing it. It makes me super, uh, like, nostalgic. I don't have any FOMO because I am extremely, like, honestly excited just to be in the stands and watching this year when I can. Um but, like, I am super, uh, I don't want to say excited, because, like, I get excited over a lot of things. I am, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I'm hyped to see what's going to be happening out there. Like, ever since we got, we came back from being away and the world shut down, like, there's a different kind of fire. Like, everyone goes out and works. We know that. You know what I mean? And we've all been there. But, like, there's a different kind of fire now. And um, I, I'm all for it because I'm just looking at these people and all I'm looking at these performers like do superhero type 
stuff, you know, in, right. in my eyes. It's almost like they have that understanding. Like they actually, you know, when you're a kid and you're performing and the, your instructors are always like, you never know, this could be taken away from you at any minute. And then like, it really got taken away mm. from kids. And so now they like understand that and they're like, oh wait, it really could be taken away from us. And they're like, we're going to milk every drop of this and perform our exactly. hearts out. And I, I love that because I think that's what I've been seeing for the last couple of years is, is that because, you know, it has been taken away from some people before. So I'm just gushing to be a really loud spectator come drunk horse season. <laughs> nice. I yes. want to gush. I don't know if it's a gush so much this week. I, I made an Instagram post about this. Um, I don't even know if I've posted it yet, but by the time this episode airs, I will have posted it. That is my goal. Uh, that circuit meetings for Winter Guard inter indoor activity circuits are coming up very soon. And uh, if you are participating in your circuit at all, you should go to your circuit meeting and yeah. you should go and vote on proposals and things like that. I think a lot of people, when they get involved in like indoor circuits um they like don't necessarily understand how the rules are created and really the rules are created by the uh members like working together and coming up with proposals and and making edits to rules that are going to like help the whole circuit tcgc just had their meeting on sunday um uh mccga ours is june 24th so it's coming up here and I've heard of a couple others that are coming up in the next few weeks. So get out there, read proposals, make proposals. Um, and, and like, I mean, really just learn how your circuit works because we can't just sort of let the circuits die off with people who are, who are, you know, wanting to retire or whatever. We really have to keep it going. And I kind of feel like, at least my generation needs to step up and take charge. I feel like that's where I'm at right now with that. <laughs> well, to piggyback off of that too, um, Jackie, if you go to the WGI website, they have this, um, and this came out weeks ago um, mm -hmm. also, but the way to make a proposal and like, I hate to say this, but at the same time, like some of the stuff does get a little bit non-user friendly, yeah. but like, basically how to make proposals for people that don't really know. You know how you have those like books for dummies. I'm not saying yep. that everybody's a dummy. However, this kind of, I was able to understand it. There's a way it to and do it. There's a way to do it that's right and that's wrong. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, if anybody wants to, you know, if you've already done your circuit meeting and you have ideas, like the, you don't, you don't know your idea could snowball off of someone else's idea and make a bigger idea. So it's present true. it. It's true. So. Yeah. I like even myself personally, I made a, a, a proposal like 10 years ago, 10 years ago that didn't fly. And like, you know, through much discussion with other people and like rewriting and thinking about it and learning what other circuits do and talking to different people within our circuit and seeing how things worked. Like I was able to make, another version of that proposal and last year it passed. So it's like, really, you just have to keep working at it. And, and it, you know, if it's something that's for the good of everybody, it's gonna, it's gonna pass through. Um, Nicole, do you know, 
on on WGI, I hadn't even thought about this. I was just thinking about local circuits, but like mm-hmm. on WGI, does every guard who participates in WGI get to have the opportunity to submit proposals and vote? No, they don't. Uh-uh. Okay, um, I didn't think so. I forget how much this goes, how, you know, I mean, how that goes down. I, it's yeah. not every group, though. I think no. they, anybody can submit a proposal, but I don't think everybody can vote. I think only those on the advisory board that go to the meeting in July in Vegas. I think those are the only ones that actually vote. I'm not sure. Okay. Gotcha. That I mean, it makes sense. You don't need every single person to be casting their vote. That's for every single thing. You know, there's a lot of things that like scholastic groups have issues that independent groups know nothing about. Independent groups have issues that scholastic groups, you know, and then you look at like the top and bottom, like you look at your, you know, your regionals and your cadet teams and stuff like that versus your like world class. Like there's, there's going to be such a wide range of stuff there. So Mm -hmm. cool. Go participate. It's like participating in, in local government, go participate in your local circuit, learn how to do it. (laughs) Right, Be the change you want to see. Yes. Be the change. Speaking of participating, Carl had sent out an email saying that he wanted everybody to make sure they did the, judges evaluation that was sent out so if you went to any wgi event Mm -hmm. you can do that and they they need feedback on the judges because we always have a lot of lot to to say about the judges during the season but now is our actual chance to be heard so i will say please do it like honestly just like any color guard needs um needs that like that commentary like judges need it too like, well, I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like we all need it. Like, and so all the judges need it. It's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I need? What? Well, I just got a whole bunch of guard information. I feel like super energized and more knowledgeable about that. But one thing I really need, I need Steven to tell us what he's hyped about. What he's hyped about. <laughs> I literally have so much stuff I could talk about right yeah. now. You're going to have to stop. Oh, uh, I just yesterday got offered a spot as an alternate with the Eagles drumline. Uh, there were no Shut bass up. drummers that left last year, so there were no spots available. But I'll be on as an alternate, and when a spot opens up someday, I should be able to be in there. Um, but you, that's you know super the exciting. Eagles? The Philadelphia Eagles, baby, go birds! Do you know the song? Do you know the song? I hear there's a song associated with the football team. Do you know? Oh, oh. fly Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fly Eagles, fly! I'm gonna subject you guys all to this song. (laughs) This is your audition, right? Just in case anybody on the Eagles drumline is listening. Our, right. team, our, our listeners can't hear this right now, but Trevor was literally like flying <laughs> like an eagle. <laughs> you eagle yeah. yeah. right now during the uh, during the intro. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's getting well, ready to uh, come up from Carolina and support, but that's gonna be fun. I can't wait for that. That should be a good time. I really, I hope you get a chance to go do it because that would just be amazing. Yeah, no, there will be, there will definitely be weekends where I get to go play at games because if anyone in the baseline has a conflict, I'll be in there learning their parts and doing it. Uh, but also, like, they do, like, 50 gigs outside of game day throughout the season. And 
you only have to do 30% of them. So 15 gigs roughly. Um, but it's all like, it's paid. It's a paid gig. It, you're still like going out in the community and performing. So I'm, I'm going to be active on the Philadelphia Eagles baseline. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Well, with all of our hosts who are joining us today, we have a lot of stories to tell. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the second half of our interview with Todd Marcacci. This is going to be amazing because he's talking about parades and parades are like my favorite thing. So here, Beth, you can take the Long Ranger. Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hi, everyone. I'm Lexi Judah, and I'm the new host of On a Water Break in Rhinestones. I was a competitive twirler both nationally and internationally for nearly 20 years. Then in college, I became a feature twirler for the University of Maryland. Go Terps! Along my twirling journey, I competed in many world championships individually and with my Wheaton family, earning multiple gold, silver, and bronze medals. Now I coach the next generation of twirlers as they develop a love and passion for a sport I hold close to my heart. Outside of baton twirling, I have a full-time job. I'm a news producer in Baltimore. My goal for this podcast is to bring unique stories from baton twirlers from all over. I'm here to help tell their experiences from performing at the National Football Championships to the Miss America stage. Be sure to follow along to hear from talented twirlers who definitely have stories to tell. Well, we are back on a water break this week. And guess who's back? We have Todd Marcacci from under the president of Under the Sun Productions to talk about Parades in the big picture, and why would we do a parade, and, and and all that goes into it. So, Todd, tell us, why do a parade? Why would somebody select or opt to do a parade to begin with? Oh, it is, first off, to make any parade great, you need marching bands. And many universities, colleges, I blame them, teach their <laughs> uh, soon-to-be band directors that parades are not important. And I have been lecturing at summer camps for decades now to the high school students to at least make them understand. And any time that I've ever done it, have done any director sessions, I have said it to them also. 
I have always looked at the marching band's participation, much like I said in the other, other interview with getting the Westchester University and the Macy's Parade in 1986. I looked at that as a public relations tool. So therefore, mm-hmm. let's say that a uh, band director is listening right now. Well, he should be proud if the measures are taken to make them look great, proud of what they put on the street, okay? Well, then you, even your little local parade, okay, is so important. I hate when I see marching bands wearing shorts and a t-shirt to march in a parade, okay? Band directors, listen to me. Your taxpayers paid for your band uniforms. They want to see the band uniforms on their bodies in a parade so they know that their taxpayer money was being used properly, okay? The instruments that they paid for, the color guard equipment that they paid for, the lead banner that they paid for, the taxpayers want to see that. They also want to hear a marching band sound fabulous. They also want to see a marching band march in step. The number of marching bands that I have observed over the last three years that do not march in step anymore really shocks me. So that's that's from a local standpoint. So I don't care whether it's your little Halloween parade, little fireman's parade, whatever the case may be. You are visually and audibly representing your community. Some people are small communities, some people are big communities. So I encourage you highly to take parades seriously. And you're probably all laughing right now, but literally you are presenting something very, very, very important into a parade. And, um, you know, if I saw you, you know, sloughing down the street and not looking good, I was like, oh, they're not very good. And that reflects directly back onto the town and mm. to the school. Okay. So Beth, I mean, you know that I, you know, do a lot of the band selections for the professional parades that I get to produce. And Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny right now. I mean, right now we're in 2023. I have all but one band to go to select for the cherry blossom parade. And literally, I have seven applications sitting over here, all vying for that one spot. So it's so fun now to go to YouTube and start watching everyone's performances, and you start to chuck away at, okay, who's who can you trust better to present something great um, on uh, a parade route, okay? So, um, and especially, too, with uh, Memorial Day coming up, a lot of uh, high school bands, college bands, whatever, really um, do not wear their school uniforms for Memorial Day parades, which is very, very disrespectful. Um, you have to remember what the holiday is about. It is not barbecue, beach, beach, and hot dogs. It is about honoring the fallen, those who have given their lives for us to have our freedom in our country now. And the last thing that you could possibly do to at least honor them is to have the kids wear the uniforms for 37 minutes or 45 minutes in the heat, and then they take them off. That's that simple, okay? And um, real fast too, while we're talking about respect, um, I encourage band directors and color guard directors to please Google, and I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but Google the United States flag code 
Okay, there is a particular way that the American flag should be displayed in front of a marching band. I will say that you have to notice in the flag code that the flag needs to be guarded. So if you don't have somebody to guard the American flag, don't have the American flag. Okay, it's that simple. Put the American flag back in the closet and march without the flag. It's that simple. So you have to look at the respect and the United States flag code for that uh, flag. Um, one thing that killed me the other week, I was trying, I was building some props and I could watch TV at the same time. So I watched YouTube and all these different parades from around the country on July 4th and a top six drum corps was in a parade. The, the flag was guarded by two sabers and the one saber person starts spinning and performing while guarding the American flag. No! I almost passed out. So... I think it's. I think there's a disconnect here from generations, and I'm going to blame it to that right now. I'm not pointing fingers, and uh, yeah, I'm a little fired up about this because I'm very passionate about it. But I think we do need to educationally remind people that the United States flag code does exist, and that red, white, and blue piece of sewn that I'm looking out in my yard right now is representing something. And, yes, yes. you know, basically, I mean, Beth, I can tell you this internally. We just got a memo that was sent out by the Pentagon back in February um, reminding, reminding mm. all military members, um, all military units to review the flag code. So I think it is a gener – it was very interesting to see a letter from the Pentagon with all that written. But it is very interesting, that, and I think, it, like I said, it's a generational thing to where these particular things in uh, time are being forgotten and lost. Which is sad uh, you know, for those of us that are maybe a little older and more familiar with that code. But I remember I had a, a situation where I was the carrier of the flag, the American flag, and I was not guarded, and there was a thing. And it it, bleed, it it's burned, seared into my memory now that it will never happen again and not on my watch. <laughs> I wouldn't let it happen. So, yeah. So, Todd, I mean, obviously you're a bevy of uh, bounty of knowledge for, on parades. Um, what goes into, you know, put to, putting together a parade overall? Like what, what kind of things are you looking for and, and how do you then get it to all come together? Sure. I mean, there's two different kinds of parades. The way, I, well, there's three different kinds. There's local parades that are literally, you know, whoever shows up that day, you're just sent down the street in any order. Or the the local parades that really crack me up are like they put all the musical groups at one point, so it's all music back to back. Then they put all the farm tractors in the next part. Then they put all the antique cars in the next part. You know, if you're Doing your hometown parade and you're listening, variety, variety. Um, my attention span is really short and uh, kind of like today. I was literally here working on the July 4th parade for Philly, and I kept changing my mind on the first 10 groups. How do I want this to look? You know, and I kept going, change. Okay, no, put the army band there. No, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do those three flags there. Yeah, well, yeah, that'll be kind of cool. You know, so literally just visualizing um, that parade mm -hmm. coming down the street. You know, kind of like the holiday parade in Philly. It's a nighttime parade. It's illuminated. 
what's the first thing I want to see? And what's the first thing I want to hear? So if you have the, you know, the gift, I guess, and this goes to designing a band show too, or a colored art show. I mean, if you have the gift to be able to literally see it in your head, and then you just make it happen from there. Well, you just make it happen. The rest of us would take a long time to do that, but you, <laughs> you, there's, you know, I mean, and, and I, but I can appreciate that. And I think it'll be helpful for a lot of our listeners if they are part of either the planning for their local parade, because I'm sure a lot of hometown band directors maybe get at least invited or consulted in terms of that and participation. Um, but that's good to know. But like, how do you then select the bands? Like what, what kind of process and how should a band maybe prepare, best prepare to audition, whether it's for a smaller parade or, or a national parade. Yeah, let me elaborate on that part before that, and then I'll go into that. Um, really, you know, I've taken the time to go to different local parades to see how long my attention span could last. And um, that's how I learn. Because if, mm-hmm. my, if, I, if, if something, I'm like, where's the music? Where's the music? Why is there any music? Well, I make sure, like today, music was pink, non-music was blue. So I go, music, nothing, nothing. Music, nothing, nothing. I want to be overwhelmed with entertainment and noise. So that's my best advice that I can give uh, there. Now, for any band looking to take their band on the road, you know, and everyone goes to Disney, (laughs) which is great. I mean, that's great to take your trip to Disney. However, there are many parades around the country, besides the ones that I produce um, and uh, co-produce, that you can uh, look into. Um, There's a website called marching.com, and if you go to uh, Ken Martison's site, marching.com, hit the events link. And the events link will take you to uh, a slew, (laughs) a slew of different parades around the country. You'll find a number of ours on there. And um, that's really where you can apply to take your show on the road. Um, and it, it's so encouraged. Um, you know, I'm sure band directors like, well, we don't have the money. Well, you raise the money. You make people work for it. You have parent organizations. You know, just don't settle for what you're doing right now. Now that the pandemic is legally over as of May 11th, you know, now's <laughs> the time to start, you know, putting the rocket booster upwards rather than sitting in the garage with a bunch of dust on it. So think about, you know, you work so hard, your kids work so hard, your program, everything that, the, you know, the, you have uniforms, all this stuff goes into this, take it on the road. I mean, take it literally, take a chance. Take a chance. I will tell this story, and I don't, I don't want to tell you, but I want to tell you because it's the biggest mistake. Well, it's not a mistake, but it was just something to happen. We all know how great Avon High School is, correct? How Absolutely. Okay? I remember back in the mid-90s, Avon High School applied for the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philadelphia. At that time, the band director, and I don't know if it's the same one now, was starting to try and build the program. And because they only had 50 students, I rejected them. And now think about where that program is. (laughs) I literally remember getting that application and just going, well, I can't even, because usually we have, I mean, 
right now, because of coming out of COVID, we don't necessarily have minimums, but usually we try to do 100 and above because most of the parades we do are televised and, you know, larger ensembles look better on, I shouldn't say better, but better on TV. Um, so, but, uh, you know, go to marching doc, or marching.com, look for different um, parades and literally take a shot at it and apply. I mean, take a shot. And um, it was kind of cool. I just had a band apply for Cherry Blossom like two months ago or a month ago. And um, I ended up looking up their videos and their Winter Guard. Well, their Winter Guard just placed third at WGI's in Scholastic A. And I was like, oh, my God, I can use them in the opening production number. Okay. So they're in the opening production number for next year. Another one that I just selected the other day, they had an awesome dance team. I was like, Hmm, I can use them in the opening too. So selected them. They're now going to be in the opening. So, you know, the opportunities are out there. You just have to take a risk. And I will tell you, I mean, I have literally over these decades accepted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bands. And you just never know what we're looking for or possibly not looking for. And we get surprised. Take a chance. As a travel planner, I thoroughly endorse Todd's idea of take a chance and take your show on the road. It is one of the best gifts you can give to your students and your program because like like Todd mentioned, you know, you're doing all this work, you're putting all this time and effort in. Why why hide your hide your light under a bushel? Like shine it and let let the world see what your kids have been working on. The reward they get is is extraordinary. When you do it and you take them out and they hear crowds in a different town cheering for them. So it's not just mom and dad in the stands at their at your home game. It's it's other people. And I think it helps students to realize that they're part of an activity that's way bigger than just what's happening in their town, that there's other bands and other groups doing exactly what they're doing all over literally the world. And what a great gift to give them. So now that I'll get off my travel horse, um, what about some things maybe you shouldn't do if you're applying to a band, to a, to a parade? Is there something you should try to avoid um, in the audition process or, you know, should you have a YouTube channel? Should you not? What's what, what works best? Do you think? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> you, you should avoid sending a video that shows most of your band out of step. Um, you should also avoid sending a video where your horns are not in tune. Um, you should also avoid sending a video that your color guard is up front and not one flag is spinning together. So those would be the first three things. And another one, too, a fourth one would be, please don't send a video where your flags are in literally two lines and trying to take up as much space as possible. Because if you would, I mean, this is being serious right now, too. If you would get accepted to a televised parade, the more you elongate the camera, if it's a televised parade, the cameras are going to skip over the first part and grab the last part. Because so then it's just the instrumentalist because that moves out and then the camera will pick up the next thing. So why elongate when you can encapsulate and make this a very pretty artistic presentation through what you do? Yeah, do you always have to march forward? No. Turn around for your last four counts. Play to the other side. Oh, people scream. Oh, my God. Something different. Integrate your color guard. Um, even do a slight little formation change. I mean, imagine this. People would go nuts. You're marching down the street, band goes like this, band comes back together. It's something different. Mm. So 
told you what to you know avoid in terms of you know sending in but you know for thanksgiving especially and i don't have a copy to show you right now i encourage creativity encourage it i think outside the box i do not want to see the same rectangle marching band coming down with the pom-poms in the front and the flags in the back boring 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 okay literally creativity is needed in parades it's desired it's wanted <laughs> um because and it's so true i mean i have worked in you know with television producers for years now and i think the biggest thing that hit me the most and I didn't understand it at first. I got really defensive. Then it hit me. A band is a band is a band is a band. Move on. And I took so much offense to that. And then I started thinking, you know what? They're right. Is somebody playing music in a rectangle with flags in the back? Okay, let's see the next one. Oh, they have purple ones. They have they have purple uniforms. They have blue uniforms. Who cares? So, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, think about what you can do in your presentation that's going to make you stick out, and especially when you're applying for something. You know, if you're able to um, iterate that through, you know, descriptions or whatever, you know, we would like to do XYZ PDQ. I mean, somebody put that on their application and going, we'd like to have gift boxes rolling down the street, outlining both sides of the band. And then at one point we shoot confetti out of them. And then I... Check, you're in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's that simple. Okay. It's that simple. Or it can be difficult when you do get applications to where you have to watch people out of step and listening to not very good music. So the takeaways definitely are focus on your fundamentals, marching in step, playing in tune, spinning in time, which are just the fundamentals we should all be working on is as a marching unit yeah. add some throw in some creativity you know don't be afraid to mix it up a little bit don't you know like you said a rectangle is a rectangle a band is a band try to avoid that i think those are all really good tips we did a when i was in high school we did that turnaround for four counts and march backwards in the That's orange bowl cool. parade you're right the crowd loves it and we were like well this is easy we don't do this all the time you know and it, it was four steps, you know, we marched backwards for 16 counts, I think, and then turned back around and kept going. Yeah. And yet it was a, it was a huge impact moment. Yeah. Way to go. Way to go, Brent Lewis. Who knew? Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's funny though, Beth, that you say that, 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 that variety captures people. And especially I have to point this out after this whole pandemic thing to mm -hmm. get people to clap. And I've noticed this. To get even for people to stand, like as a spectator, to stand when the American flag goes by, and you're usually supposed to salute it when it marches by, but nobody does anything. People are afraid to clap. So, like any parade that I've gone to just to watch, I'm, I'm the first one. And then like, I try to encourage people, you know, because obviously I know what groups go through to put themselves in a parade. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think it's going to just take, a, I mean, obviously the, pandemic has caused a lot of issues but uh, hopefully now people will start to um, appreciate what they see out in the parade world more well this has been this has been remarkable and i i mean i think we could talk for you know I don't know, a couple more days about this, but we had, we decided at on a water break, we wanted to give Todd some quick fire questions about parades. So we've got 10 quick fires and we're not going to time him because that's just 
cruel and unusual punishment. But we're just gonna we're gonna throw these questions at him and see see what his uh, what his answers are. And I think you'll you'll all appreciate this. So Todd, what is the longest parade you've produced in terms of mileage? That was mileage. Um, mileage. <laughs> that would. Well, like the Orange Bowl parade is like five miles long. Like, okay. like, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the longest parade I ever produced was the Hershey Centennial Parade back in 2003. Um, that route was not super long, but there were so many groups in it. It went on forever. It was 168 different groups, I think. And, you know, literally groups from all over the country, all wow. over the country, in Hershey. 30, 39 marching bands, I think, alone. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. What okay, so we'll go to the opposite. What's the shortest parade you've produced? Uh the shortest one <laughs> it could be the one in the backyard that I talked about. <laughs> or or this is a good one. <clears throat> or it could be this parade that we did for Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. It was called the uh, Camaro Parade. I think that's what it was. And lo and behold, it was promoting this car giveaway. So, okay, so I know how to line up a parade on Atlantic City Boardwalk and all the permits and all that kind of stuff you have to do. Not knowing that the parade was actually going to be starting out on the Atlantic City Expressway in the rest stop. And it was literally only 10 cars. And then the drone flew over the cars going down the expressway. And then the cars went up to the boardwalk. We held them. And then we started the parade with the boardwalk. <laughs> it was literally 10 cars and a lead banner, I think. So that would that would go down there as a short one, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for sure. Uh, okay. What, what it would be the largest group you've had in a parade? Um, either... I'm probably going to say probably the largest one was Penn State University Marching Band in that Hershey Centennial Parade, because I think at that time they were over 400. And then the second to that would be Westchester University and Comparable Golden Rams Marching Band. Wow. That's pretty big and for those of you not paying attention at home to have Penn State and Westchester in the same breath with, with regard to size of their band. That's no, that's no, uh, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. What? So since a lot of parades happen in the uh, warm weather, what's the hottest parade? Oh, good God. I think it was July 4th, 1999 or 2000. And Jeremy from guardcloset.com, I, I know he would know he was there with me. I think that was the first that was the first time I think I ever blacked out for a moment. It was over 100 plus degrees that day. Oh. I remember. Oh, my Lord. I, oh, the Boy Scouts prayed. My God, I forgot about that in D.C. Yeah, that's when then the thunderstorms came in and blew all the tents up and everything after the parade, 10 minutes after that. Well, of course, because that would have right. cooled everything off. But yeah, but that, that, yeah, but that one though, real fast, Beth. Let me tell you that story real fast. So at that time, that's when just when cell phones just started, and one of the staff members, Leah, I think, said, "Todd, there's something on radar." I said, "Radar? What? Where do you see radar on my phone?" I said, "It's on your phone, really?" And <laughs> she said, "Look at these thunderstorms that are up in Erie, in Erie." It was gorgeous in D.C. So it's funny, Karen Rogers, the meteorologist at Channel 6, taught me um, how to take your fingers and then follow the wind direction to just project where it's going to happen. And I did that on her weather app 
And I said, I called the police. I said, we need to start this parade in 15 minutes. We need to step off 15 minutes early. Okay? So we started 15 minutes early, got the parade down. The skies opened up 15 minutes after the parade was over. Tents literally flying everywhere. Hail. It was torrential downpours, the whole thing. So that, that's a good one, Jeremy, Jeremy, that you brought that up about Boy Scouts. But that talk about decision-making. That was a, you know, that was a decision that I had to make as the producer and make that guess by something that Karen Rogers at, you know, Channel 6 taught me and put all those skills together immediately. That's insane. And for those listeners, Channel 6 is the local ABC affiliate in, in Philadelphia and Karen Rogers is... We all love her, so so that's that was a no-brainer. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, what's the coldest parade? Oh Lord, that was last year in Chicago. That's an easy one. It was eleven. <laughs> it was eleven degrees, I think, and that was not the wind chill. The wind chill was below that. I just remember it would be. It was in the negative negative seventeen, I think it was. And of course, at that parade, you know, I walked the parade down into. Uh, the first pre-parade, and then we hold it there, and then we step it off from Oaken, Michigan, which I could walk over and touch the water of Lake Michigan. Oh, yes, definitely. 2022, Magnificent Mile Lights Festival Parade, coldest ever. <laughs> so recent. It was, December was cold. I was in Chicago in December. It was cold. Um, what is the group that you know that has traveled the farthest for a parade that you've been, uh, been a part of? Um, there's three. Um, I can say Tamagawa University uh, drummers and dancers from Japan. They're mm. in the Cherry Blossom Parade. Um, another one was back in the 90s. The Polish Youth Dance Ensemble came from Poland, and that was in the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philly. And then there are the Hawaii Pal Riders. They came from Hawaii for Thanksgiving. They usually appear in the Rose Parade and or have appeared. And then also Benda, Benda Escalar de Guayania uh, from uh, Puerto Rico. And that was out of Puerto Rico? Right. Cool. Um, so what about the most the most famous person you've you've been able to encounter at a parade? There's a lot. <laughs> the probably the funniest one real fast was um Vice President Joe Biden at the time. Uh he led one of the July fourth parades in Philly and he had, he literally <laughs> was helping me start the parade off and telling the Girl Scouts that they were not carrying the banner flat and straight. And I was like, thank you very much. They weren't listening to me. I hope they listen to you. <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, uh, that was probably one of the funniest ones. The other one was um, Pink. And uh, I had Pink in the Thanksgiving Day Parade in uh, Philly. And I remember saying to her, walked up to the float. I said, Pink, I said, my name's Todd Barcacci. I said, I just you know, wanted to produce the parade. I just want to thank you for having such a fabulous rhythmical structure to your music. She literally jumped off the float, came down, hugged and kissed me for saying that, that somebody recognized, you know, the complexity of what she was doing musically. And then for like other generations that would understand Willard Scott, meeting him was just like the biggest like all-time favorite thing kelly ripa uh kelly ripa down on the street when one of the westchester university flag performers got hit in the head with her own pole kelly ripa's there with an ice ice bag on um 
uh, I forget who's, I think it was Sarah, her head um, uh, doing that. And I mean, the list goes on. Cameron Matheson, the village people were definitely a highlight. Um, uh, what's that other boy's name? The blonde haired um, NSYNC guy? Um, Justin Lane, No, Lane, 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 Yeah. And, and, I mean, the list goes on. I, well, I, I don't know. I'm still working on Pink because she's local too. She's local to Philly, so she's she's you know. Uh, I want to be here when I grow up. Okay, um, what is the well the first parade you produced and when? And and we can I'll let you decide which answer you want to get. The first parade? Well, I would say that was the backyard parade. Yeah. And for those of you that that didn't listen to last week's episode. Tune into last week's episode, and, and you will enjoy a very awesome backstory to that parade. Yeah. And now the you know the piece de resistance. What is one parade you would want to produce, but you haven't? And I'm going to say yet because you're not done. So I just want to know. No, I mean this. <clears throat> so if you listen to the first. Um, session of this i had mentioned about having the big parade at my uh grandparents farm in new enterprise pennsylvania back in 1976 for the bicentennial when the country was 200 years old well about 10 years ago it hit me i was like wait i think i'll still be alive for the 250th birthday of the country and i was like oh my god could i really maybe really, maybe? And so I just kind of kept it in my mind. And um, about three years ago, I guess, I had the first meeting about um, the Philadelphia, you know, July 4th parade being the 250th. So we've already been working on that for over a year. Um, we already have Georgia, Maine, Idaho, Washington, D.C. represented so far. So the goal is to get a marching band from every single state and then also a special unit or something maybe from every single state. And um, while I know, you know, times are different, we're not going to be able to do what they did back in 1976 in Philadelphia from a parade standpoint, but we'll do the, you know, the 2026 version of that. But still, at least at this point, you know, it's something I haven't produced yet, um, but we are, well, we're actually producing it right now. But, you know, to make it all happen um, live on that day, it has certainly been something that really kind of connects the beginning of this whole interview to the very, very end in um, thinking that it's 50 years at that point, right? Is that right? I, yeah, I, would, I, I hate That's to crazy. say I was around for 76, and to think that we'll both be around for the. <laughs> 250 at this crazy and Todd I think that's just what a great full circle moment that would be for you I just I mean that's so heartwarming and I I I think anybody listening if you don't have goosebumps I then I don't know you probably maybe a little dead inside but I think that this is what a great way to and a great way to end our conversation Todd and I just I'm so grateful for you taking the time to talk to us to on a on a water break and that we can share all these great stories and you know, we all know you're not finished yet. So and I, um, I, do point, I do want to point out though that we also produced the July 4th in DC. So we could be probably, I'm going to guess, okay, we're going to make our own little history here that we'll be the, probably the first company in history to ever produce two 250th birthday parades at 
the same time. As long as, I mean, I don't want to jinx anything. We're in 2023 right now, but that's the goal to try and accomplish that uh, in 2026. Okay, so everybody heard heard it here on Auto Water Break Podcast. This is where you heard it, so just remember that. Um, Todd, if, if anybody wanted to find out more about Under the Sun or about you and parades in general, where, other than marching.com, which I'm telling everybody, please check out that site. It is a great resource for me as a tour operator when I'm looking for events for, for groups to attend, yeah. but also for directors. How, how can they go about finding you or reaching out to Under the Sun? Um, look on Facebook. I, we did have a web page at one time, got rid of it, started another one, got rid of that. I just do Facebook. So look at the Facebook under the Sun Productions Inc. Um, is the name. And then you can also look me up on Facebook, which is Todd, T O D D, Marcacci, M A R C O C C I. Fantastic. This has been a real joy to really to get to hear these stories. Some of them I've heard, some are fresh, and I, I'm so glad for our listeners that they get to hear this too. So, um, well, guys, you know, I think it's time for us to uh, get back to uh, get back to rehearsal, and uh, we'll see you on the next water break. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, the host of the Marching Roundtable podcast and the creator of MarchingArtsEducation.com. I've just um, taken a little water break here and I thought I would share some information about what's going on at the Marching Roundtable. But first, I want to say, wow, congratulations to everybody for the incredible, great, successful work and season we just had in the indoor activity this winter. Wow, all the stuff that happened in Dayton was really inspiring and exciting. It was great to see your passion on display Thank you for all your hard work, whether you're a designer, a director, instructor, performer, parent, support person, all these people make the activity happen, and wow, are you impressive. Now, here's my thought for you today. Make sure you take some time to rest. That's right. Right now, people are jumping right back into auditions for the fall or getting ready for drum corps. You know, the cycle just keeps on going. But I want to tell you, make sure you're taking some time at the end of this momentous season to rest, to reflect. Take long weekends, take evenings off. If you're like me, sometimes I just have to schedule that on my calendar. I'm not going to work on this night. I'm going to take some time and do something, hopefully I'd like to say, that doesn't have anything to do with the marching arts activity. Just enjoy some time off. Rest. Take care of yourself. Because we'll very soon be jumping right back in. You need to be rested, healthy, uh, mentally ready for everything that's about to happen. So, take some time. I promise you'll be glad you did. This week at the Marching Roundtable Podcast, we have another in our series called Three Things I Wish I'd Known When I First Started Teaching. This is Gene Monteristelli, who's a very important visual judge in the the earlier years of Drum Corps International, now is working with drum majors in a very significant way at DCI. You'll love hearing about things he wished he had known when he first started teaching way back when with the troopers. And also, next week's podcast is focusing on education and a competitively driven activity. This is two really smart folks from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps talking about how they have a successful season with their students, focusing on education and helping those students grow, while, of course, being in the middle of competitive activity and wanting to do very, very well. And don't forget, there was a recent podcast with the crew from On a Water Break that I think you'll really enjoy. And one more thing, watch for a webinar coming up on May 24th with Ron Vereen talking about grant writing for -for not-for-profit arts groups. Jeremy, thanks for including me. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you so much, Todd, for coming. Again, you can find him on Facebook with his company, Under the Sun Productions. So, of course, Todd talked a lot about parades, and that's what we're talking about today. But uh, Whitney was just telling me before the show that she has encountered some super crazy weather while marching a parade. You want to tell that story? Yeah. So Crown always does the uh, Bristol, Rhode Island parade. And we were at that parade in 2004. This is my, my second year. And it rained the entire time. And, of course, we still did the parade because it's Boston and those people are crazy. They did not care. <laughs> it was still, like, crazy amounts of people everywhere. And it just got to the point where it was just really hard to spin. And I was on the flag line. And so the, the silk is just sticking to my body. We're oh. all miserable. Our shoes are soggy. I start crying because I'm just so over it. And I'm like tr Aww. crying and doing drop spins because it was just, it was awful. Like by mile four, I was like, I, I don't want to anymore. I don't want to do this. This is horrible. So we finally finished. We were miserable the whole time. We finally got back on the bus. There was no bathrooms anywhere. We were just soggy and soaking wet. It was, it was a time to be alive. That is for sure. Don't you just love that for drum corps? Oh, <laughs> rain oh, on me spinning in the rain Spin. we've done that i mean when i my age out year i was with uh patriots Oof. it's coming y'all if you don't know what it feels like to get old just pay attention to me um <laughs> <laughs> it's happening but um there was one parade we went through and you know like whitney said like we don't stop you know, we don't not do the parade. So we did them. But I can just remember being like, ah, just wet, soaked through, wet, cold, and just giggling. And it's just like, we're about to get on to a, an air-conditioned bus where if you thought you were cold, you're about to get oh, a lot no. colder. <laughs> and not to mention, like, oh, we've all been in the gym where it smells like, you know, old cheese. And those shoes on your bus... Same deal, same deal. Oh. My feet smell gosh. <laughs> My feet always smell wonderful, dry or wet, so we're good. Trevor. You're going to have to <laughs> show me your ways. <laughs> what are your secrets, Trevor? I can't. I I, it, it just came with March with the troopers. And it was the cowboy hat that helped, I guess. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Did you have to march in, like, crazy weather? In Wyoming, yeah, it was always windy during our parades, like in Casper mm. or like Laramie or something. And we didn't really have a way to hold down our cowboy hats. Like they just used to buy them and say, hey, make it work there at the troopers. Um, and they, uh, and a gust of wind would come and would hold on to your hats, boys and girls, or it may end up in the audience. <laughs> so uh, it was always fun times, March parades in, in, in Casper, Wyoming with the troopers. Um, back when either, I guess, Jackie or Whitney, when you guys were at Crown, did, uh, were you guys at Gardner-Webb for spring training at that time? I was never at Crown. I'm just going to throw that out there because Wait. I did not watch Crown. I'm a blue star, honey. <laughs> what? I could have swore that, 
What? Okay, I'm really confused now. No, Whitney and I are just I don't know what conversation I had back in the early days of me joining the uh, the large group chat, but I uh, clearly got some strings crossed. But Whitney, were you uh, were you ever at Gardner Webb? My first year was the or not not my first year. The first year we were at Gardner Webb was 2007. That was my age out, and we were okay. only there for two weeks. So after those two weeks, we went to. Um, a high school that was like on the beach and then we went to another school in like the middle of North Carolina. So Whoa. we had we had three parts of spring training that year. It was crazy. That's actually so intense. I would hate that. I would yeah. hate having to move spring training three times. Um yeah. but when when I was there at Gardner Webb, um we were doing like base subs around this like clock tower basically. It it was like just a regular metal clock, but it was kind of big and nice like you might have in the middle of like campus on on a on a college campus and it started to look a little rainy a little like the skies weren't great so we went inside the like the closest building like 15 feet away or so and we just start doing subs like right behind the glass door and glass windows right there and like maybe two minutes after we went inside the clock tower got struck by lightning and it was like the most Whoa. loud like explosive like explosion that i've heard in my life just like wow. boom you and like it didn't even, yeah, like it didn't even start raining yet. We just looked at the clouds and we we're like, that's not trustworthy. We should probably go inside. Wow. <laughs> and sure enough. Good call. Jeez. Enough. I'm glad yeah, you did. Goodness. Oh my gosh. One of the closest calls I've had, I guess. We can imagine we can imagine on a walk without you. So I'm glad that you went inside. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Trust me, I'm I'm also glad that I went inside. <laughs> oh, um, so when I was at Blue Stars. Oh, but I marched I won't, Blue Stars, yeah. which is which Sounds is where right. I marched. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, we had a crazy one in Nebraska. We were at a University of Nebraska, and literally we were the first core to perform because it was '06. It was Blue Stars' first time going back to world class. We were like the first core to perform, and we got out there. We got all set up. And our drum major like gave us the the count off and everything, and we hit like the first I don't know maybe two or four notes of the whole show. They were just bells, and he cut us off, and his face was I, I don't even know how to describe it so that people who are listening can understand what his face looked like. This kid, I swear to you, he was one of the calmest people I've ever met in my life. His face was the opposite of calm. I had never seen him look like that. And we were just like, this is what on earth? This is crazy. And we knew rain was in the forecast, but I kid you not, he like, he cut us off and then was just like frozen for a second. And then he told us to grab our stuff and go. He just kind of was like, grab and go, grab and go. And we were like, we're, we're about to start the show. Why are we grabbing and going? And so we turn around and look, and there's this giant wall cloud with a tornado mm. behind the stadium. <laughs> and we were like, oh, well, and like, and like, you know, Nebraska's flat. You can see for miles. So it's not like the tornado was on top of us, but still, like, we could see it. So it was like, get out. <laughs> so we <laughs> grabbed our stuff and we went underneath those like concrete bleachers and uh-huh. we were drenched. I don't think I've ever been that wet in my life. And I have been to Niagara Falls and. It was, we were drenched. I mean, 
all like like the the marching uniforms which back then were like wool or whatever like Uh the marching uniforms were drenched all the way through it was like so so crazy come on jackie y'all could y'all could have got one more rep in (laughs) (laughs) it was a show like we could have you know here we are out in our you know our uniforms with everything set up and it's like we could have done our show at least before the tornado hit like it did start pouring as we were like taking our stuff underneath the bleachers but that was wild (laughs) yeah no sounds it um do you guys remember a couple years ago when allentown the lot got like totally flooded out did you guys see any of those pictures uh might have been like 2018 or 2019 there's like huge lakes where they do the dci east regionally cheer and uh in the lot where all the groups warm up and then they had like a, a massive storm the night before the, the first day of the competition. So then when they would go out to the lot, like there was, it was all entirely flooded out, like mud everywhere. Couldn't actually like get to the lot kind of, cause it was, oh it was literally flooded. Uh, but there's nowhere else to go. And DCI okay. East is, is a unstoppable train. So, oh yeah. It's true. Oh, I hated those like shows where you had to march in like mud up to your knees. <laughs> mm. Sounds like 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 South Carolina, uh, Georgia. Florida, Georgia, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> swamp tour. Oh, please don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll miss the Swamp Tour episode. I don't need to reminisce on that. <laughs> well, let's do this. If you don't follow Drum Corps today on Instagram yet, you definitely should because they are keeping us all up to date with everything that's going on in Drum Corps. So take it away, Jeremy. Hey, everyone. Drum Corps today with another Drum Corps news segment. First up, we have rehearsal camps that are coming up. This weekend, there are 14 weekend camps and eight cores are moving into spring training. Out West, Impulse has a camp on Saturday, May 27th. Battalion has a camp in Herber City, Utah from Friday, May 26th to Saturday, May 27th. Blue Devils B has a camp in Concord, California from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Columbians have a camp in Hermiston, Oregon, Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. Gold has a camp in Eastvale, California from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Golden Empire is a camp in Bakersfield, California, from Friday, May 26th to Sunday, May 28th. Is a camp in San Dimas, California, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Pacific Crest is a camp in Las Flores, California, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Seattle Cascades have a camp in Scapoose, Oregon, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Down South, Guardians have a camp in LaGrange, Texas, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th and Heatwave is a camp in Interlochen, Florida, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. In the Midwest, River City Rhythm is a camp in Waseca, Minnesota, from Friday, May 26th to Sunday, May 28th. Out East, Spartans have a camp in Nashua, New Hampshire, from Friday, May 26th to Sunday, May 28th. And Jersey Surf had a camp in Delron, New Jersey, from Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. Spring training continues getting started for several cores this week. On Friday, May 26th, the Blue Devils start their spring training at the University of Wyoming. The Blue Knights start their spring training in Denver, Colorado. The Blue Stars start their spring training at Waldorf University. The Cavaliers start their spring training at Adrian College. And Colts start their spring training at Western Illinois University. On Saturday, May 27th, Genesis starts their spring training at Caldwell High School. 
Spirit of Atlanta starts their spring training at Jacksonville State University, and the Troopers start their spring training at Tipton High School. This weekend, there are nine weekend camps and six cores are moving in for spring training. Out West, Impulse has a camp on Monday, May 29th. Gold is a camp in Eastvale, California from Saturday, June 3rd to Sunday, June 4th. Vessel is a camp in San Dimas, California from Saturday, June 3rd to Sunday, June 4th. And Pacific Crest has a camp in Diamond Bar, California from Saturday, June 3rd to Sunday, June 4th. Down South, Impact has a camp in Orlando, Florida on Sunday, June 4th. In the Midwest, Northern Lights have a camp in Muskegon, Michigan on Saturday, June 3rd. Out East, 7th Regiment has a camp in Oakdale, Connecticut from Saturday, June 3rd to Sunday, June 4th. The Stentors have a camp in Sherbrooke, Quebec, Canada, from Saturday, June 3rd to Sunday, June 4th. Spartans has a camp in Nashua, New Hampshire, from Friday, June 2nd to Saturday, June 3rd. A few more camps start their spring training next week, too. On Tuesday, May 30th, Crossmen start their spring training at Northeastern State University. On Wednesday, May 31st, Mandarin starts their spring training in Sacramento, California. On Thursday, June 1st, Madison Scouts start their spring training. On Friday, June 2nd, the Academy starts their spring training at Betty H. Fairfax High School. On Saturday, June 3rd, Music City starts their spring training, and the Colts migrate over to Muscatine, Iowa for their week of spring training before returning to Western Illinois University. This past week, there have been three more cores to announce their 2023 productions. Madison Scouts will cultivate a blooming garden of sound with their production, The Sound Garden. The Colts will be celebrating their 60th anniversary with their production, Where the Heart Is. And Carolina Crown will be going for gold with their production, The Round Table, Echoes of Camelot. With Carolina Crown announcing their 2023 production, that brings us to three of the top four cores that are going for the gold medal this season to announce. It'll be interesting to see how this season plays out with all the exciting show announcements that have already been released. Last season, the Blue Devils were the core to beat. Between being undefeated last season, as well as being lined up for their first three-peat, something only two cores have been able to achieve. Although they outscored every other core last season, their biggest points of weakness were percussion and color guard, where throughout the season those captions were contested between them and the Bluecoats and the Boston Crusaders, respectively. Plus, with Carolina Crown consistently having one of the best color guard sections and the best brass section, and the fact that Boston Crusaders and Bluecoats tied for second last year, it's going to be an intense fight for a medal this season, and even more intense fight for the Founders Trophy. Even though a handful of cores have already moved in, there are still 372 brass spots, 81 field percussion spots, 82 front ensemble spots, 403 color guard spots, 6 conductor spots, and 70 additional spots, ranging from team time to administrative intern positions, which in total comes out to just over 1,000 open spots left this summer. All of this information can be found on our Instagram page, at Drum Corps Today, and links to everything can be found at the link in our bio, or at our link tree, linktree slash Today. And stay tuned for more Drum Corps news. Time to get our history lesson for this episode. Each week, the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history, that way we can know what came before us. Check out this week's story. So, I, I think because, you got to remember, part of the Vietnam era, I mean, I, I was in during the Vietnam era. Uh, part of the, a lot of people didn't like that we were at war. It became more, unlike World War II, when it was more obvious and bigger, the Vietnam thing was different. It was kind of, a, actually was a blow up of, of the Korean conflict. A lot of these people coming up through that era or started teaching and widow came through those years. So the anti-Americana, God bless America, Stars and Stripes Forever st- era started happening. It started disappearing. 
because you look at the early DCI stuff, uh, you had some still did a color pre because some still had some legions and VFWs and churches putting money into it. So they had to keep them happy also. They had to keep that, some of that. So, but little by little, it branched away. It got pulled away from that. It was like kind of the literal rebellion against Americana. To an extent, yes. That sort of changed kind of... Uh... I mean, a lot of people don't want to think about it that way. But again, I was younger and was involved in it. And I had to also start writing and actually some of the groups when I was out in Illinois, some of the groups, that I did, the one group I wrote for in particular, uh, we changed, but we kept a lot of it local. We had to keep some of the very kind of type stuff because they were sponsored. VFW was putting up some money and helping to keep things alive and running. So you had to, you had to do it. it. Most of the judges didn't, didn't, didn't care. I was okay with them. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Thanks, Bill. And stay tuned for the History of Drum Corps podcast that I've been working on with the folks over at the museum. Uh, I know you guys are going to love this once it's out. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Hi, everyone. This is Ashley with some twirling news for this week. Um, this week, the North Carolina State University Band, which is also known as the Power Sound of the South, they took an international trip to England um, where the band is going to be playing um, in front of the Cardiff Castle in Wales. And their wind ensemble is also playing there, too. But the twirlers decided to take a detour and stopped at a Beyonce concert while they were in England. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> There's also a twirling camp that is taking place in Altoona, Pennsylvania from June 22nd to June 25th. It's called Twirl Camp Pinnacle, and it's a four-day clinic with a lot of world champion hosts um, and clinicians like Dale White who is also a WGI judge, Savannah Miller, who's a recent USTA Women's Senior Gold Medalist, Jonathan and PJ Birkin, Twirling's power couple, Bauer Sarah, former Arizona State University twirler and world champion, and a lot more. We also have Cody Carter, who was a special guest two episodes ago, who graduated from Arizona State University with a degree in Digital Culture Theater Technology, and if you haven't seen his senior thesis video, you better go check it out because it was really cool. The baton had sensors on each end of the baton that controlled the lights and the music, which matched whatever movement that he was doing. So if it was slow, the music was slow and the lights were very dim. But if he started speeding up the revolution, it got a lot faster and the music was bouncing all over the place. So I think it's really unique and really cool that he can demonstrate his arts in his studies at school, and congratulations for graduating, Cody. And we'll see you next week on a water break. Okay, let us get to some news because we have some pretty exciting stuff. I feel like we have a lot of continuation stories this week, and yeah, there's some really positive stuff going on. Trevor, why don't you start us off? Hey, guys, some really great news out of um, the Homewood Flossmoor Chronicle. It's a transition happening at Marion Catholic High School. They're going to welcome a new director of bands. Um, retiring director of bands, Greg Bim, um, is welcoming new director of bands, Stephen Piter, um, as a new director of bands at Marion Catholic. Now, everyone knows Greg and his contributions to music education, to bands. His bands have performed at state, uh, state competitions, uh, many... C B D N A conventions, uh, 
big, big hosting of, of, of events. His winter guards have always been um, awesome, especially for a, a smaller band um, in our profession. Um, so that announcement happened on Friday, May the 19th. Um, so the new directors, uh, Stephen uh, Prater, began his teaching career in 2007 and has taught a variety of instrumental, vocal, and general music classes at the high school level. Most recently, he taught music um, and was a choral director and assistant band director at Juliet Township School District 204 since 2016. Um, Stephen um, holds a Bachelor of Music um, in Performance from Northern Illinois University and a Master of Music Education with teacher certification from Vander Cook College of Music. Uh, Stephen, um, according to uh, Greg, Stephen is the perfect choice uh, for the next chapter in the Marian Catholic Band Legacy. Uh, Stephen is very excited to, to join the Marian Catholic Band family. Um, as a new director, he hopes to offer a strong community, instilling the pride and belonging into the organization, uh, creating life-changing opportunities, following in the footsteps of Greg and his great leadership with the program, um, it's, it's a, it's a changing of the guard and, and congratulations, uh, to Greg Bim for an amazing uh, career in the profession. And, um, absolutely congratulations to Steven for taking the reins over at that amazing program at Marion Catholic. So congratulations to both of those uh, gentlemen. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness. He's what a legacy he is actually, uh, I guess you can say inheriting. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. For sure. Like sky's the limit now. You've got, you know what I mean? New blood. I mean, uh, what it means? Old, old house, new blood, old family, new blood. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. We had talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast. How long had Greg been the band director at uh, Marian Catholic? Something absurd. It's um, decades. Definitely. Yeah. Like decades and like just, just being able to be in a program for that long and like build such a legacy is incredible. And for somebody to be able to like that, you know, those are big shoes to fill, but honestly, listening to his resume, it sounds like the new band director is, is going to be able to do some stuff with this. So also he's not going to be the guy who's stepping down. And I'm sorry, I keep saying the guy, this guy, but um, the, the, <laughs> The band director who has been there is not completely stepping away from Marian Catholic. He is just not the band director anymore. Am I wrong when I say that? I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like he's still going to be there in some capacity, just not on an everyday day to day. Full, just having like a mentor there to sort of mm-hmm. guide mm-hmm. the new director. Yeah. That would be helpful. I mean, honestly, in a in a perfect world, we would love to have that happen anytime there's right. going to be a changing of directors. Yeah. Especially if you've been there for like over 10 years. Like, this is not something you can just, here's my keys. <laughs> Bye. Right. You know? Like, yeah. I think Greg recognizes that that transition is necessary for the success of Stephen and and his uh, and and Greg's former students. He wants to make sure that you know the program and Stephen are set up for success. That's who Greg is. That's who he is at at his core. Um, he cares about um, everyone who who he comes in contact with. So that's not surprising that 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 Greg is going to be around and, and provide a resource. Uh, be, be a resource for that program and for uh, and for Steven. So that's really, really great to hear. Well, y'all, 
I know I'm that. I'm so excited about this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say that, yes. All right. We have caught the Northwest Las Vegas tra- band trailer stealing person. person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I deserve a round of applause. So. Um, I talked about this last week. So in a, a school, um, the Shadow Ridge Marching Band, um, Marching Thunder, I think it's what it, they're called. Um, they had their trailer stolen. And what happened was the, uh, I guess it was the band director. Uh, there was a Craig, somebody on Craigslist had answered um, a listing for a trailer. Uh, it was a stolen trailer. So the people from... Um, Craigslist called the band director. The band director showed up and he called law enforcement. So they don't know if anything has been, um, you know, uh, they don't know if any arrests have been made. However, the, all the students, sorry, the instruments, the props and the costumes were not inside the trailer anymore. So they don't know what happened to those. If they like got rid of them, hawk them or whatever. Um, but they have gotten it back. Um, Nicole Hubble, the band mom that I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, said that there was a somebody had put on Thursday. Somebody had put a similar looking trailer to be sold on Craigslist. So that's kind of how they found this out. Like they were soup, they were super sleuthing. Okay, nice. so mm-hmm. they had the mystery machine ready to go. And they said, we're going to find this. Cause remember at the end of the other, uh, uh, at the end of the other article I read about this, when it first was stolen, it was like, you know, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep us from, you know, finding our band trailer. Um, she meant it. <laughs> she really? really meant it. Oh man. Yeah. I'm so excited. That's like, we needed some positive news in the band trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Now, don't come back with more stolen trailer news. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Stop stealing trailers. This is, this is not a trend. This is not, we don't want this to happen. We want you to donate to programs, your time, your energy, your funding to yes. make sure that these programs are thriving. We don't want people to take from the children. Give to the children, please. This program is small, too, and they spent they raised $30,000 to um, buy this trailer. And what they did was they did it through, um, they, they sold fireworks or yeah, they nice. sold fireworks. And so they made $30,000 off of doing that, but it's just like, they don't want to do that again. They want to raise $30,000 to get other things for their program now. Well, apparently now uniforms. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a good, like that's a good, feel good story. Yeah. <laughs> Well, giving talking about giving back to the students, Stephen, your next yeah. story is a good one. This one's really cool. This is something that I wish I saw more of in the world. So for a talented group of seniors at West Charlotte High School, paying for college is one thing that they are not going to have to worry about. Uh, a total of 11 seniors from West Charlotte's band, which is a school near Baltimore, Maryland, uh, 11 seniors from that band were given full ride scholarships to Morgan State University <gasps> in Baltimore. Full rides? Full rides. Full rides. Yep. That's a uh, HBCU school near Baltimore. Yeah. Um, their band director, Adam Sobers, he says that uh, for, for his students, this opportunity is music to his ears. Um, he says that it makes him realize what he does is really worthwhile, which sounds a bit cliche, but that 
as an educator, especially in today's world, these are things that make him want to come back year after year. Um, he actually said that this is a, something that happens every year in their program. There, there are always kids for the last seven years that have been getting scholarships. Um, uh, but this is the first time that every graduating senior in the band class was given this reward uh, to set them up for success later in life. So shout out That's to West Charlotte High School. Uh, I'm sure there's also more folks behind the scenes involved in, in curating these scholarships, but that's such an amazing opportunity for them. Uh, and, and just something that I wish was out there more. I totally remember thinking when I was a high school uh, senior doing drumline, like it would be really cool if I could be, you know, working my way towards a scholarship, like maybe someone who was in athletics. So I love well, to see I, that. That college band program is going to be fire because you've got all these kids who are like coming from the same high school that are, have been mm -hmm. training together and learning right. together for this long. Mm. Mm -hmm. oh, and the, you know that the kids are going to want to do band. Like if you were, if they were giving me a full ride scholarship because of band, oh, oh, I would be in that band studio room every single day. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah that's great. To get me out of it. Yeah. That's great motivations to have, to having even more success. Uh, and I think in that Morgan state program, knowing that, you know, they have been given this amazing award, but it comes with a, a level of responsibility as well and expectation and, and to have the faith in the students to be able to achieve the, that expectation is, is really kind of good. It, it's, it's good in both ways. You know, the students obviously took care of business and are, are going to do well, serve themselves well academically and musically, but for the community members and people behind the scenes to make these scholarships happen is just, it warms your heart like 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 you said steven so that's that's a great story yeah and it's amazing every senior gets a scholarship that's so cool awesome let's talk more about scholarships whitney what you got all right there were a lot of scholarships given out through dci more than eighty-five thousand dollars in scholarship funds will be awarded this year to deserving dci world and open class core members there are actually quite a few that are still available. So if you are marching this summer and need some scholarship money, there are still some you can apply for. Um, some of the highlights, hold on, let me go back to that page. Uh, Friends of DCI, Fisher Goodwin, Abigail Alberga, Yunsold Kim, Brilly Massey, Michael Galindo, Kaylin Michael, Najee Abuker, Connor Carbonell, Travis Albright, and Ava Jones. Those are all from different drum corps. Um, and there's just a ton of them. If you want to check them out, they're um, all on DCI in news, but there are a lot. There's a lot of memorial scholarships that have one or two winners. So please go and, and check out all of those winners. I mean, there's just a ton, obviously, with $83,000 given out, they're, they're 85000 There's a lot of them. So please go to DCI and check that out. So these, these scholarships aren't from necessarily from DCI itself. They're from like these different foundations, right? Um, well, the Friends of DCI um, has been, it's from contributors. Um, so okay. you can donate to the DCI scholarship program. Um, but a lot of them are kind of individuals, like, 
Um, the Peth Scholarship is part of the Friends of DCI Scholarship Program, um, but it's more of a memorial thing. Um, uh, the, yeah, there's a lot that are kind of outside. There's a Fred J. Miller one. Um, a lot of like the icons that we know of have them. There's a Bonfiglio Scholarship. Gary Kopinski, Michael Boo. I mean, there, there's a lot of them. So most of them are memorial, but there are some just like kind of regular. There's a PASIC one. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Nice. So if people want to contribute, they can go and, and figure out how to do that on DCI or apply on DCI. That's awesome. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts. Thanks, Todd Marcacci, who will not be back next week. He has been here for the last two weeks. So uh, make sure you follow him on his uh, on his social media on Facebook, Under the Sun Productions. Uh, thank you so much, Trevor, Whitney, Stephen, and Nicole. It has been so much fun chatting with you guys tonight. We're having a great time. As Woo! well as Bill from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, Joshua from the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA Training, and Jeremy from at Drum Corps today. Guys, go subscribe. Write us a review. I was serious about wanting to read some reviews live on the podcast. So write those reviews. Share this with a friend. Follow us on social media at On A Water Break, all one word. And we will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Subscribe. Go practice. Yay. <laughs>